Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the January 2003 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. The title is Freemasonry, Are We Elite? by Carl J. Hinkle, 32nd degree. Defining elite as it applies to Freemasonry results in a better understanding of the true nature of our craft. I had the privilege of attending the Scottish Rite Leadership Conference in New Orleans, Louisiana a few months ago. This is back in 2002. The conference, conducted in four locations around the country during 2002, Charlotte, Des Moines, Reno, and New Orleans, brought together Scottish Rite brethren from many orients to witness as well as participate in several stimulating and thought-provoking presentations, focus groups, and breakout sessions. In one of the breakout sessions, we touched on the question of whether we desire to be an elite fraternity. Much discussion ensued, which continued among several of us after the breakout session concluded. Some of the brethren believed that we ought not to brand ourselves elite. They supported their position on two fronts. First, elitism to them connotated an exclusionary bent. If we are an elite group, they asserted, we necessarily eliminate a significant portion of potential members from consideration, particularly those who may be less than highly educated or less well-off financially. Second, and this perhaps followed from their first point, These brethren contended that elitism carries with it a hint of snootiness with which they preferred not to be associated. I would concede that some may indeed react less than positively to the elite label. In this sense, elitism and inclusiveness may seem to run counter to one another. But Freemasonry is, and ought to be, inclusive in the sense that men from all walks of life may benefit from its precepts and practice. While studying A Bridge to Light by illustrious Rex R. Hutchins, 33rd degree Grand Cross, I noticed a pertinent passage written by Sovereign Grand Commander Albert Pike. In 1865, illustrious Pike wrote, Masonry is useful to all men, to the learned because it affords them the opportunity of exercising their talents upon subjects eminently worthy of their attention, to the illiterate because it offers them important instruction to the young because it presents them with salutary precepts and good examples and accustoms them to reflect on the proper mode of living to the man of the world whom it furnishes with noble and useful recreation to the traveler whom it enables to find friends and brothers in countries where else he would be isolated and solitary to the worthy man in misfortune to whom it gives assistance to the afflicted, on whom it lavishes consolation, to the charitable man whom it enables to do more good, by uniting with those who are charitable like himself, and to all who have souls capable of appreciating its importance and of enjoying the charms of a friendship founded on the same principles of religion, morality, and philanthropy. This particular passage might reasonably be interpreted as supporting this notion of the inclusiveness of Freemasonry, but does it necessarily mean that we are not an elite fraternity? I submit that although we draw men from all walks of life, this does not preclude our being considered elite. Indeed, we are such a special fraternity in part because we offer so much to so many. 
More importantly, we ought to consider ourselves elite because of all to which we pledge and commit ourselves. And this applies to all of our appendant and related organizations, the women's groups, the coordinate groups, and the youth organizations. Think about it. We live in a world of ever-increasing demands in our lives, ever-increasing discretionary time, and ever-increasing options as to how we spend that precious leisure time. How many people in that world voluntarily pursue what we have chosen to undertake? As members of the Masonic family, we seek self-improvement. We hope through our actions to improve the condition of others. We freely commit ourselves to higher ideals and hold ourselves to higher standards than are accepted by most others today. We invest our time, effort, and money in charitable work. We continually endeavor to understand that which we know can never be fully understood, and we remain cheerfully optimistic in our quest. We hold ourselves to a standard of divine truth, steering toward it as a ship would steer toward a guiding star. We are steadfast in demanding of one another a firm belief and faith in God, but leave to each individual the choice of how to worship. We unite people of so many races, denominations, and opinions who otherwise would have remained at a perpetual distance. We maintain, support, and practice protocols of formality, respect, and ceremony in our proceedings, while institutions everywhere have slowly discarded even the most basic common courtesies with which we used to treat one another. Now, don't we sound like an elite group to you? We may not possess superior intellectual, social, or economic status, as the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language defines elite, but aren't we still a choice or select body, as Webster's Revised and Abridged Dictionary defines it? Do any of those characteristics necessitate an exclusionary stance? I don't think so. We can still appeal to prospective members from all walks of life. This is more than a discussion of semantics. It cuts to the very heart of the value we, as members of the Masonic family, place on our affiliation with the Masonic fraternity. It directly affects our self-image and therefore the image we project to others. I, for one, believe wholeheartedly and unequivocally that we are truly an elite band. Our elite status, though, is not determined by externally visible trappings. No, our status arises from our internal qualifications. So don't fall into the trap of believing that we are simply regular folk. We may come from virtually every station in life, but we aren't common. Just because we may appear so to others doesn't mean we aren't something very special inside. We are elite. I believe so without hesitation and without apology. Let all of us truly believe this in our hearts so that we may be better enabled to spread our beneficent influence among others and cause others to want to join us. The following article is from the March 2001 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. Written by J. Howard Duncan, 32nd Degree. Why not an atheist? The long-accepted practices of masonry prohibit the admission of an atheist. Simply put, an atheist is a person who denies the existence of God. An atheist, in effect, is a person who believes human existence and even the world as we know it are the result of random events without direction or purpose. This prohibition of atheists would seem to be quite strange if viewed solely from the Masonic position of being a great promoter of freedom of religion. Should not freedom of religion include freedom from religion? There are atheists who possess the admired qualities of good intellect, motivation for achievement, high standards of fairness and honesty, empathy for others, and a strong sense of social responsibility. They're good people by all of the yardsticks of judgment which come readily to mind. Why should they not be Masons? The answer lies in one word. Trust. In our dealings and interactions with other people, we do not get to know very many intimately. 
our acceptance with most people must be based on trust. No doubt, centuries ago, our Masonic leaders concluded that an atheist was not worthy of the deep trust which one Mason gives to another. Why should this be so? Because a person lacking belief in God and the possibility of an afterlife and later retribution or reward for his worldly actions would lack incentive to do the right thing. He would be guided, for the most part, by doing what would benefit him here and now. Even if he were not selfishly motivated, how could others recognize and accept his unique perfection in the face of his denial of God's existence? An atheist would have no God-inspired moral limitations on lying or deceiving you to any extent possible as necessary for his personal beliefs. An oath given in the name of God, when the pledger believes there is no God, is meaningless. At best, an atheist would make a high-risk brother. There is a good and wise counsel in the Masonic prohibition against initiated atheists. Akin to the atheist is the agnostic, who is someone who believes there can be no proof of the existence of God, but does not deny the possibility that God exists. Like the atheist, agnostics probably constitute a small percentage of our American population. Far more common is the person who believes in God and has had a specific religious influence in his development of character and morals, but does not now attend organized religious services. It is of importance to recognize that such people are neither atheists nor agnostics simply due to lack of formal religion. Because we are largely a nation of Christians, many of these non-churchgoers still support the principles of Christianity as their personal guide. Perhaps many of them have been unable to resolve what they perceive as a conflict between science and Christianity, or their denomination by taking a fundamentalist approach demanding total acceptance of the Bible and its firmest literal interpretation may have caused their turning from the formal church. While we can hope that these people will soon discover an organized religion to their liking, their present lack of such should not disqualify them as Masons. Tolerance, where it can be given without compromise, remains an ideal of Freemasonry. As Scottish Rite Freemasons of whatever faith, we are encouraged to practice toleration. Good people of every religion throughout the world should be recognized as good people. We are all neighbors on a shrinking planet. Acceptance of an atheist as a Mason is a different matter. Not different because the atheist is de facto a bad person, but because with an atheist there is no basis of trust. While we cannot welcome them into our ancient fraternity, our dealings with atheists must be as honorable as with all others. We owe them no less because they cannot accept God. Honesty and fairness must be our guides both in and beyond the boundaries of our brotherhood. The following article is from the August 2003 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. This is written by R. Nick Remy, 32nd degree. Masonic Relevance in the Modern World Oaths in Freemasonry are taken on each brother's appropriate volume of the sacred law. Sometimes, not only the Bible, but also the Torah and Koran are present on a Masonic altar. This is an important reminder that all who believe in one true God come from a wide spectrum of humanity, different cultures, and diverse geographical locations. Our common initiation through the Masonic degrees, coupled with our belief in God, creates a shared experience that unites all Masons. It is this commonality of experience and belief that makes Masonry relevant in the world today. Commonality of experience is a natural, unifying force with people. Though I personally have never been to war, I recognize the special camaraderie that exists among veterans of the armed forces, not just with each other, but even with veteran soldiers from opposing armies. It is obvious that participation in war is an experience not easily forgotten. 
I'm certainly not suggesting that we all go to war for the sake of a common experience, but I am offering another, less destructive way to bond, participation in charity and civility. Almsgiving is very important in Islam. In fact, it is one of its pillars. Likewise, the Torah in Leviticus chapter 19 mentions, You shall not strip your vineyard bare, or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor. In the New Testament, Jesus is no less plain on the subject of charity when he speaks of selling possessions and giving them to the poor, tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, and advocates the Golden Rule. Any way it is considered, the subject of charity is central in these three great faiths and forms a common ground with many other religions. That person holding the will work for food sign at the traffic light is not a menace to society. Rather, he is an opportunity for charitable work and a chance to be civil. Has Freemasonry figured this out? Of course. Look at the Shriners Hospitals and our Order's Right Care Childhood Language Program with 165 clinics, centers, or programs. Both are behemoth efforts, and civility, at least among Freemasons, is legendary as exemplified by the numerous instances in the American War for Independence and Civil War during which Masonic regalia captured in combat was promptly returned to the lodges of the opposing army. Charity represents just one more common duty and opportunity among Masons, as it does among followers of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity as a whole. Will charitable work solve the current debate over a Palestinian homeland, alleviate the hostility between Jews and Arabs, or stop terrorists from striking innocent people? No. Has it ever? But in like manner, would the world benefit from having more people who could unite in the shared experience of a fraternity devoted to charity and character development? A fraternity that transcends points of disagreement between individuals? Most certainly. Perhaps Mother Teresa expressed the concept best when she said that if a person spends his time properly serving God, there is little time for debating issues. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.